everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and educate those that maybe are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2023, and nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Now, before we get started, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, click on the description and you'll find a link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. Now, on today's episode, I have my very good friend, John Clash, the unpopular Christian influencer. How are you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling feeling unpopular. I feel actually a little bit more popular now that I'm on your uh, on your podcast. So, ah, thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Why do you call yourself the unpopular Christian influencer? Please illuminate me. <laughs> so I was just uh, I was trying to edit my bio on um, on Instagram, and it, you know it's like this this checklist of I come from like the entrepreneur world, so mm-hmm. the checklist of things is always like stupid cliche entrepreneur like motivator streamer that like it's just it's all stupid stuff to me so. I wanted to let people know that they're going to get Christian content when they come to my page, but I'm like, what do a Christian influencer, Christian content creator? Like, I just had no idea. So I was like, you know what? Nobody really knows who I am in this world. So I'm just going to put unpopular Christian influencer. And that's how it came up with it. Amazing. <laughs> so I, I've actually like, you know, it, it's it's interesting to have you on my podcast. I how I came across, I think just through regular social media, I saw your page and I saw your videos and I thought they were pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm I, honestly, I'm really inspired by people who just make Christian content online. Um, I think we need more people like that, that are just using their platforms to be able to glorify God or talk about God and whatever gift things and things that they have interest in. And so, like you said, you are an entrepreneur, you like business. I've seen a little bit of that on your page, but just making content around it. I think that's super inspiring. And so, I saw your page and I was like, oh, I like this dude. And you were really friendly too. And so you sent me a couple messages and asked me some questions about some different things. And so um, I'm glad that you're on here. <laughs> and I also want to like uh, kind of let my viewers know a little bit about who you are um, and, and why I brought you on here because your videos not necessarily are so much about you. Uh, they're usually talking about pastors and different hot Christian uh, topics, I would say. <laughs> hot Christian yeah. topics, which we'll get into. Um, like you have videos about Stephen Frederick, you have videos about, uh, Michael Todd and, um, all these type of things that happen in the Christian world, which are very interesting. Definitely not my field of expertise. Um, but you seem to dive head deep into it. And I want to talk a little bit about why, why you're so passionate about those things. Um, but first off, you were telling me a little bit before this podcast about how you used to be a drug dealer. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to know more about that. Like, what? How did a a drug dealer, um, someone selling that kind of stuff to other individuals, come to Christ? Well, I wasn't that good of a drug dealer, so uh, 
it's not like I had some lavish lifestyle from it, but I was just, uh, I was in an environment where um, all of that stuff was just regular, um, you know, selling drugs, using drugs. I was involved in gangs when I was younger. Um, the, the environment that me and my friends were in was just like, we were chasing feelings, you know, and uh, it, from where I'm from in Yonkers, your street credibility is all based on how tough you are. Uh, so that was kind of like the world I was in. We were just like a bunch of tough guys doing street stuff. And I, um, I actually was selling drugs. I got kicked out of my house when I was 17. So I kind of just did everything that I could possibly do to get by. But the allure of the streets is kind of what really got me into selling drugs. It was like, uh, I call it the itch, me and me and my friends. Sometimes the itch creeps back up and it's like the street stuff that uh, that like kind of calls you back. And I'm very far removed removed from it now. But, um, you know, when I was in it, it's like you just get an itch to do street stuff. You ever see that uh, that that clip of that kid that's like, I just want to do hood rat things with my friends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of kind of our our mo right so for me it was a little differently i didn't want to do hood rat stuff i didn't want to do ghetto stuff i actually grew up in uh in a really like poor neighborhood like, i guess you would consider it to be like uh like ghetto um and i saw a lot of that but my my life revolved around sexuality and i was thinking about that this morning i was thinking about like how people they really struggle with different things um like my whole life was just always about dating and sex and different things like that and so your life seems to be about Hood rat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's just something that I say to like make fun of it. But it was like a real serious environment. But we also were caught up in in sex as well. You know, ev everything that was, you know, we were in our flesh. We we're spiritually dead, you know, and all we're doing is just living for feelings, living for other people's opinions, chasing things that are temporary just for that like temporary high whether you're using the drugs selling the drugs the streets there's a lot of adrenaline involved in things that you get involved in so everything is like a, a spiritual uh, uh, a physical high right yeah. and um so moving from that to being a christian it was actually when i got introduced to business so business kind of saved me because when I got involved in business, I met other people who were in business and they didn't act like my friends. They were like, John, if they you want to have hood rat qualities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did, but they just they were on a different mission, you know, because th there was some of some of the people who were involved in business that they were from the hood. Like they they were real street dudes, but they just wanted to change their life. And up until that point, I didn't really meet anybody who wanted to change their life. So they got me around some people who just been like millionaires their whole pretty much their whole lives you know and and just like think differently and act differently and they told me that if i ever if i ever wanted to be successful i'm going to have to change so i got introduced to like personal development and being around more positive environments and i actually started to like it and then through that process i got introduced to people who believed in god and then through that process, they invited me to church. And then when I went to church, I wasn't like sold on the whole Jesus thing. I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. I like it. Uh, they invited me by saying it, it was like a rock concert. So I went there <laughs> and it it was like a rock concert. So then after uh, a few times going to church and um, I, I eventually ended up at the at the altar or the stage. I guess there's a debate on what you call it now. But I went down to the front accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And when I got home, I was like, I did not just 
accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I am going to figure this thing out. So I went on like a journey to to dive into different worldviews and, and see what I believed as like an atheist slash agnostic. I also had some experience in Santeria as well that was pretty bugged out. So I was trying to reconcile that with uh, mm. like my agnostic views. And uh, then it just led me down uh, a path of truth chasing. And I ended up uh, meeting the truth face to face in Jesus Christ. And I can't tell you when I like there's no date of, yeah, on December 24th of this day, I, I put my faith in Christ. I don't remember the date. I just I came to a realization that Jesus is who he says he is. And, and at that point, I I put my trust in uh, in the finished work of the cross. And, you know, for my eternity, I was like, all right. This seems to be the only legit way that if there is a heaven that I'm going to get into it. So I'm going to put my faith in Christ. And uh, then I continued, you know, being a, a completely carnal Christian. I know that's an oxymoron, but um, and it wasn't until much later that I really started diving into my faith that I started growing in, in Christ. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's incredible. And all of this, this you grew up in Puerto Rico, right? No, I'm actually from New York. I came to Puerto oh, Rico because okay. my wife wanted to move to Puerto Rico. So happy wife, happy life. No more winters. Well, Puerto Rico is really beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, I love it here, man. I, I, I'm truly blessed. And no more winters for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in Florida, so you know you don't have to shovel snow. You shovel sand. Yeah, not at all, man. There's there's no winters here in Florida. and I, I'm thankful for that. But also just like I ne I've never really gotten to experience a whole bunch of seasons and different things. So I would like that. But Going back to you, man, um, that's so interesting. And being being that drug dealer personality, um, what would you say pushed you? Like you said that when you were 17, 17 or 16, that you left the house. What what pushed you to want to leave that and then just go straight to the streets? What Did you not have the best relationship with your parents or what was going so on? So we just, uh, so my parents got divorced when we were, well, we were, when I was like around 12 years old and we were living in upstate New York. And then we moved to Yonkers. So it was like a big difference in culture. It was the, from the suburbs to, you know, Yonkers public schools and gangs are in the schools. And then my brother's bike getting stolen. And it just was like a different environment. So I just got to the point where I just I was like, look, I'm just going to be the baddest dude out here. And it, it was kind of just a, uh, I guess, a survival mode. And then I had a lot of anger from, um, you know, things that were going on in, in my, my home life and my family and I was also sexually abused when I was a kid. So I always carried that anger with me, you know, into my teenage years. And then, you know, here I am just, I'm a monster. And so my, my father was like, Hey, you got a, you got a choice. Either you, you fix this stuff up or you get out. So I left and it, it wasn't really like, um, like when I left, I had, uh, I was working two jobs and, uh, one of them was upstate, so I'm taking trains and stuff like that. And then I, I just kind of got involved in selling drugs just because, one, I was using them. And two, it just seemed like an extra way to make money. And also other people were doing it. So, you know, you kind of conform to the environment that you're in. Yeah. So that that's super interesting. Do you talk a lot about uh, sexual abuse like on your channel or your experiences with that? Every now and then I talk about it. I did a I did a talk about how to how to overcome it and, and forgive your abuser. It's something that I am, uh, you know, I don't shy away from talking about it because I know that there's, I think it's one in six men has been sexually abused. And so wow. if I'm comfortable in talking about it, I'm going to talk about it just because I want other men to know that 
yo, you're not alone, bro. And you don't got to bottle this stuff up and, and keep it with you your whole entire life. You can talk to other people who have been through it and nobody's going to judge you. If somebody judges you, there's probably not somebody that you necessarily need in your life. How did that affect like, like you growing up after being like sexually abused? So it didn't really, uh, I was just a, a mad person, you know, and, and it, it affected my relationships with people. But it it didn't really uh, didn't really hit me until I was like in, until puberty until I started yeah. having sexual attractions because up until then you you kind of don't wrap your head around what was being done to you you yeah. know was it like a continual thing or was it just like a one a one time thing it was every so it was uh my my parents had friends and their friends kid did this to me. Um, he was older, like, you know, teenager. And so every time we went down there, he would do it. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, it was, um, there was an outside shower from when you go to the beach, you, 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 you know, come in and, and shower. And my parents, like, they were just oblivious to it because mm. you go in, you shower the sand off, you know, very yeah. simple. So it started in the shower and then it ended up, you know, other places. So, um, but yeah, it was just every time that I went down there. Wow, man, that's that's crazy. It's so common nowadays how many people have been sexually abused. Yeah, and uh, and it really, it really, really, really affects an individual's like when when that doesn't happen to somebody, I think that person is completely, completely different. And then when it does, it it messes with with everything their mind, their their ability to trust. So when, when you reach puberty and stuff like that, did that have an impact on your sexuality at all? Did that make you question your sexuality or was it something nah, that was just like... It didn't make me question my, my sexuality. It it just, it made me confused about sex, I, I guess you could say. Um, I was also, you know, I was around people who just, we were, as I was telling you before, were driven by the flesh. So, you know, you're in that group of dudes, you're... The, the bigger body count that you have with women, the more cool you are and stuff like that. So it it affected me more when I fell in love with people, right? Like if I, if I was dating somebody, now I'm having an intimate, uh, you know, intimate sexual experience, not just, you know, not just sex, right? And it affected me in the intimate sexual experiences because it, I would, it would play back in my mind during that process, you know? Um, so, uh, that, I would say that's how it affected me a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure. Like, uh, especially people that listen to my podcast, um, some people, they, that, that's what happens to them. They're, they're sexually abused and they start, they start questioning their sexuality or maybe they have a hard time with their sexuality now. Um, and so, I mean, the, the good thing was that you at least, uh, didn't start questioning your sexuality. And you're like, okay, this is a horrible experience that I've had. But how were you able to to work through that? Like, did that have any impact on on your relationship with Jesus? Like, did you ever maybe blame Jesus for that or have any type of anger towards the Lord? Not because that kind of happened when uh, I mean, before I was a Christian, I guess that could that played into my animosity towards God. I was like, well, if God exists, why did this bad stuff happen to me and, and stuff like that? But for the most part, no. Um, when, when I really understood the forgiveness of Christ, 
and I, I really understood how much I've been forgiven for, right? Yeah. And then also, I looked into these things, like why did people do what they do? Uh, right. And it comes from, it's it's usually because it was done to them. It's it's okay. a chain effect. So when I started putting myself in, in his shoes, I, I didn't give him a pass and say, oh yeah, man, poor dude, or, or whatever, because, you know, it's happened to me and I haven't done it to somebody else. So if, yeah. if you know, if if I was older and I'm now I'm abusing kids and stuff like that, then then you know maybe that chain kept going, but that's not what happened. So I kind of just put myself in his shoes and was like, hey, I um I think I think it it, it probably happened to him because he was also adopted too. So mm. if if he was adopted, you know, there's there's sometimes situations that happen um you know in that process. I don't know. So I started just thinking about. What went on in his life to make him do that to me? And at, at that point, I, I also realized how much I was forgiven for, you know, I'm selling drugs, doing drugs, being violent, you know, all this stuff. And I'm forgiven. Why can't I forgive somebody else? And also forgiving gives you peace. Mm. So uh, that, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it, it caused any real animosity towards my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, bro. I can I can imagine that that probably would help a lot of people understand um, some things for themselves. So you said that later on um, that you didn't really like the whole Jesus thing that you were invited to church uh, because of a rock concert. Uh, what did you? What what were you against the Lord for? Like was it just I just don't have an education? Like did 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 your parents introduce you to Jesus beforehand or yeah. Like, uh, like, were you angry with God? Were you upset with the Lord? Like, what was your situation? Did your parents tell you about Jesus? Like, what did you know? Yeah. So when I was younger, uh, my, my grandmother was Catholic and my father, who's an atheist right now, he, he would take us to church. I kind of think just to appease her, right? Like we went through the whole entire process of, um, you know, the confirmation and, and all of that stuff. I can't tell you anything that I learned there. Like I, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. But at the time, you know, probably should have paid attention. But um, that was pretty much it. We didn't like talk about God in the house. I think I was like many people are just either ca culturally Catholic and culturally Christian. You know, they think that they're Christian because, oh, yeah, my parents are Christian. I'm a Christian. They think it's like how how Muslims are, you know, or, yes. or how Hindus are, you know, you're, you're not born, born into it. it. Yeah. You got to choose it. So, um, so no, I, I didn't really grow up with that. Uh, my father, I don't know if he was a believer at the time. I like to think that he was, um, you know, and he's just, and I pray, I pray about this all the time because that's one thing that bothers me, you know, friends and family who are not believers. Yeah. Uh, it really bothers me. But anyway, to, to answer your question, no, we didn't really talk about God in the house. Unless I was being a brat, then my father would be like, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't pay attention in CCB. So <laughs> so when you got invited to that rock concert, did you did you like rock or what was it like? Nah. So I was like hood rat. I'm like, don't they listen to hip hop? Like, you know, like rap. Yeah. So this is that was the interesting thing is that. So I was always, <clears throat> excuse me. I was always into different uh, genres. It, it wasn't. I wasn't just hip hop. I was a rapper myself, but I was oh, a, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I was into other stuff. Um I, I liked music, period. But anyway, the kid who invited me, we did business together, but he was also a rapper too and a street dude. 
but he was just trying to get me to go to church. He's like, John, you got to try this church. You got to come. Have you ever been to church? Uh, you know, I'm like, uh, I don't think so. You know, we went to church. Um, uh, well, I used to be in a motorcycle club and whenever somebody would, uh, you know, go down or get hurt or something, we would go to church. Um, but that was wow. You much. lived a lot of a lot of lives, like Bro, motorcycle club, I, rapper, drug dealer. I've been thinking about it. Like, like I've literally done everything. I've I've done so much, except like being a like secret FBI agent or or something. <laughs> that would that probably would have been a lot more fun. Um, but so yeah, I I didn't really have experience. So he was just like John, you gotta come. Well, they called me Clash. Clash, you got to come to this thing. It's like a rock concert. I'd never been to a church like this before. So it was it was that. And then I was also getting around other people who believed in God. Uh, so I was curious. I was also, um, I believed in the in New Age stuff at that time. So I was trying to hack the universe, you know, so to to like the law of attraction and stuff. I was really into it. So I'm like, and most business if- people do believe in that for sure. 100%. Yeah. Like they're all into that whole like work hard, the universe will reward you. Like I know a lot of crypto guys are very into crypto and they're always posting like universe quotes or like manifestation, but like the man version because like the women have like manifests and like crystals and this and that. And the men have just like, yeah, I'm going to think about it. Success breeds this. And I'm going to (laughs) wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to eat raw eggs. And it's the same lingo. It's just like the man version. So I actually just finished writing a book about the law of attraction because since I was in business for for so long, I I was around a lot of the crazy stuff and I was into it. I was really into it. Like I I, vision boards and and I was just about to bring that up. I'm like, did you do a vision board? (laughs) We had vision board parties for my sales team. Like I I got them into it. We listened to The Secret 24 hours a day, seven days a week. yeah, if if my business wasn't going well, I'm like I'm not on the right frequency. Like it, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty jacked up. But anyway, so I got around people who believed in God. So I was curious, and I was like, you know what? If I go here, maybe maybe good things will happen. So I went and I enjoyed myself. It was Hillsong NYC. So that was like a church that nobody's ever experienced, right? And this was. Yeah. This was before the nonsense. Um, so I went to funny. that church too. Like when I lived in New York and Brooklyn, that was the the church that I, I would go to. I would go to Hillsong. Oh. And, and I loved it, man. It made me feel like that worship, it made me feel good. Like I would go in there and I'd be like, oh, this is nice. Like I was, and nobody knew me. Nobody knew what I was doing. I didn't fully give my life to the Lord at that point. But it always, you know, it brought a little comfort and peace to my life and a little bit of Jesus, at least what I needed in that time. So this is yeah. interesting. That's the um that's the Hillsong story that you hear over and over. Yeah. And it's it's similar with mine as well. I went there and I just enjoyed myself. I thought, oh, this is cool. I'd never been to a church like this. Um, I'm gonna keep going. And mm-hmm. it, it was the same thing. It was like a motivational speech, and I was into that stuff. So yeah. you go there, you get motivated, you're like, Yeah, I'm gonna take over the world. And then, you know, by Tuesday, you're you're not taking over the world. Um, but you need a little bit more of that crack worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was inviting people to it as well. Like I, it was it was a good environment um, until it got crazy or whatever. But I also plugged in to they had evening college classes with Nate with Nathan Finocchio. And um, when I went to that, I really got to learn how Christianity actually was because I had no idea 
what Christians actually believed. I had no idea what the gospel was. Even though I went to that church a, a gajillion times, they never once presented the gospel as, hey, this is how you get saved. You have to put your faith in Christ, in in the fact that he's fully man, fully God. You, you He lived a perfect life. You trade your imperfect life for his perfect life. He died. He physically rose from the dead on the third day. Just put your trust in that and you're saved. I was like, what? I thought I just had to let him into my heart. You know, I, yeah, I was so confused on stuff. So I, I, I'm so thankful for that season uh, of Hillsong, even though it, it, you know, got crazy uh, down the line. But Nathan Finocchio, he helped me a lot. I didn't know what denominations were. I had no idea, no idea. So really helped me. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then did you, were you already with your wife at the time? No, 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 no. I, I was friends with my wife uh, for like three years before we started dating. She didn't even like me as a person. Um, actually, one of our first interactions was when uh, we, we did a team trip to um, uh, Dominican Republic. So I was there by myself. Um, but Hillsong or another church? No, no, no. This was so this was um, in business. So we would always take okay. trips together. Right. Okay. So we just did a team trip to Dominican Republic and she was there with her mom and stuff. And I was there with my friends. And uh, actually, one of our first real interactions was her talking bad about God. And she like was like, well, what about this? I don't even remember what I said, but she's like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And I was just like, I don't know, X, Y, Z. And she got so mad <laughs> and left. I was like, all right, started eating my chicken nuggets, you know? <laughs> but that was one of our first interactions. And then uh, I, I do trips to Guatemala every single year to build schools. And so she came on one of the trips. And Is that inspired came, by business too or a ministry? And started with business. So it's a secular trip. Um, people from all over take it, which is actually really good um, evangelizing tool because we have people come on the trips that are not Christians and then they get around people who are Christians and they're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Like the first, yeah. yeah. The first time that I went, the person leading the trip was a Christian. And I got to ask him questions. I wasn't a Christian. I just went because my friends were going. They're like, hey, we're going to go to Guatemala to build a school. You want to come? I was like, well, I want to go to Mexico, but since nobody's going to Mexico, I'm going to go with you guys. Yeah. So we went there, and that trip changed my life. I went out there. I saw how happy those kids are with nothing. I came back yeah. home, saw how miserable everybody is with everything. Completely changed my life. But on that trip, I got to meet people who were Christians and ask them questions. So it was able. I was able to get some answers, you know. So it's a good trip that uh, that it's it's also an evangelizing tool, but um, so she came on one of those trips, and since then we became friends. Well, actually, I I was friends with her. She wasn't really friends with me. Um, <laughs> then she came again, and um, yeah, I don't know what happened on that trip. We just started looking at each other different, and she was in the new age, right? Mm. So she wasn't even a Christian. So here I am, uh, and this was right at the pandemic. Um, when we got back from that trip to Guatemala, the pandemic was full blown. So how long had she you been a Christian already? Like a full, like oh, really born again? At that pandemic? point, um, maybe like eight, nine years. Um, okay, but okay. but maybe taking my walk seriously for like four years at that point. Um, what was like? What was the point where you were like, I absolutely need to give this my all? Um, with, with Jesus. So I, 
I got to a point where I almost lost everything. I was doing really well in business. You know, I was living in Florida for a little bit in Miami. I'm driving around in a drop top 650 M package BMW. I got money coming in in my sleep and I, I'm, you know, hitting ranks in this company and I'm on stage talking to thousands of people and all this good stuff is happening to me. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And I got the rug swept out from under me and I moved back to New York and I just was at a really low point. You know, all these things that I thought um, were going good. And, I, you know, now I'm a believer in Christ, too. So I'm I was also caught up in prosperity gospel stuff. So I'm like, God, I'm I'm believing in you. I'm putting money into the church. Um, you know, like, how come I'm not getting my blessings that they be talking about? So I'm <laughs> I'm wondering all of these things. And then uh, I just started digging into the word. One of my mentors, David Peach, he is uh, like a diehard biblical literalist, dispensational, like like just everything opposite of what the uh, prosperity gospel is. So he kind of just pointed me in the right direction with things and was like, no, John, that's that's a false gospel believing what these people are telling you, these Joel Osteens and these, that's a false gospel. Don't listen to that, you know, start reading the Bible like this. Go get yourself a good study Bible. And so that, that happened. So now I'm really, really digging into the word and I'm really studying. And I knew a bunch of apologetics because I came to Christ through apologetics. But now yeah. I, I moved from the apologetics to actually studying the word and yes. context and theology and all of that. So now I'm like really seeing things. And this is all when the rug got swept out from under me. And then I got brought to a church in Connecticut by my mom's house from a woman I was backsliding with, right? Wow, okay. So she's like, hey, you probably like this church. And I'm like, you know what? I'm looking for a church. Uh, so let me let me just go. And at this time, I was like, I will never go to another Pentecostal church ever again in my life. That was my that was my mindset um, after Hillsong and then like seeing other crazy stuff. But then I go there and literally one sermon in, I'm like, yeah, I like it here. I really like it here because it was just they took just a little bit of, uh, you know, verse by verse. They were going through things. We spent 72 weeks in the in the gospel of Mark. You know, I've never been to a church that did stuff like this. They had small group meetings where I learned theology. I learned about context. We read books together. Uh, yeah. And I was in that church for a while before I even realized it was a Pentecostal church, mm. you know, because my idea of Pentecostal was crazy running around, you know. Ultra Pentecostal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like ultra Pentecostal. That's not, you know, because there's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty charismatic myself and... I, I like Pentecostals. Um, I think there's a difference, though. Like, there's that ultra, ultra Pentecostal, and then there's the ultra Baptist. And, you know, there's the extremes on both ends. And I think we, we got to really kind of meet in the middle. Um, but one of the things I'm really passionate about that, because I see the lack of that in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, is that actual study of the word. Because it's going to be the word that's going to transform our, our, our walks and our lives. It's going to con confront us. Like the word actually says that when we, when we read it and, and uh, when we study it, it's like looking into a reflection that shows us our flaws. And so the more that we're in the word, the more we're able to see more clearly and are able to like differentiate, okay, in ourselves. It's like, okay, this was a flaw. This was something I should have not done that I did do. And this is what God looks and this is what, you know, what he thinks about this. 
And so I think this, the studying of the word is, is so important. Uh, so you were going to that church and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, and then you, you really started taking it seriously, but then, then you met, you met your wife at the time, um, of doing this business trip and you guys got together. Um, and did she like, did you guys move in together or get married right all of a sudden? You said you were so, friends. So it, um, since it was pandemic, um, we didn't get to see each other because th this was when it was locked down, locked down, which God definitely used that because here I am attracted to this woman who's not a believer. And I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? You know, this, this woman, new age. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this woman been my friend for, you know, three years. And, you know, right after meeting her, I was like, nope, not this one. You know, like we've been, we, we had heated discussions about God. I'm like this, there's no way I knew she was deep in the new age. And so I'm just like, what the heck is going on here, right? So I'm fighting this. I'm I'm asking God, like, God, please, no, no, this this not it. I know it's not it. But then she keeps FaceTiming me, and then I want to FaceTime her. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to just get to know her. And in that process, she asked me so many questions. What I, I got a hint that she wasn't one of these New Agers that was just, like, stuck in her ways. And she was curious about learning the truth. And the more questions she asked, the more uh, she got answers to the questions that she, um, you know, would would wrestle with when it came to um, Christianity. And then one day she was like, "You're right." Uh, so I, I we we went to that church a few times uh, in Connecticut, and I, I could see her like getting it, you know, like the, I could see the word like permeating her 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 brain you know she was getting it but i'm not you know i'm not going to overly push it and i'm also like uh you know i'm i'm a ticking i'm like my my clock is ticking because i i know that this is not this is not the route that i should go if she's going to remain in the new age right so then she just came to belief in christ and she called me she's like john you're right you're right i believe it jesus is the only way and i'm like Oh my gosh. And then from that moment on, it was like fast forward. We, uh, we got married pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> we moved to Puerto Rico. Uh, more of the yeah. story, make sure that you FaceTime women you're attracted to. Especially, nah, moral of the story is, um, follow Holy Spirit's intuitions. Like if the Holy Spirit is telling you something and you're like, I don't know about this, you know, it's like if, if it's God, it's God, you know, he's going to make a way no matter how unconventional it may seem. Um, but now a lot of your ministry revolves around the kind of reflection. And I would say, uh, I think it's a, a lot like these discernment ministries. And um, I'm really careful with these types of ministries. So for me, um, I think I've made it a staple. Like it's so popular nowadays as a, I guess you call yourself the unpopular Christian influencer. But this is such a popular thing to do, which is people, they go after ministers or they go after ministries or, you know, Demi Lovato is on a on a bed that's, you know, shaped as like a cross and she has no respect or, you know, Hillsong pastor, he's fallen to sexual morality. And uh, it's a lot of like negativity all the time of, of putting these things on blast because it's popular. People want to hear about it. They want to know more about these types of things. It's an like easy clickbait. And in my own ministry, I, I just been like, yeah, I could do that. 
Like that's exactly what people want to hear from me. Like, especially when it comes to the sexuality things, because there's a lot, RuPaul's Drag Race, there's so much to be talked about that I could put things on blast. Um, but I have really felt from the Lord that, you know, it's stick to my Bible, stick to the faith, stick to these things that, you know, not a lot of people are going to enjoy. You could have a lot more followers, a lot more views, but um, stick to me. And that's what's what what is going to be really unpopular, but but it's going to have substance. Why do you feel like the Lord has has brought you into making videos like that about Mike Todd and, and your reasoning behind that? Like, um, do you feel like it, it's a real calling from the Lord to to discern these things? Are you kind of like a Jeremiah prophet guy where it's like you guys are wicked for what you're doing, you know, and calling <laughs> these things out? And how do you do that with respect and on with kindness? Because I know another ministry that's like that. I, I like them a lot. They're Radio Remnant. How do, I, you probably heard of them. They also like analyze people's prophetic words going into the New Year's and and they do it with such respect and care. Um, how do how do you feel your ministry? Like, why is it that that is like the one thing that you you love to talk about? So it's not that I love to talk about it. It's it's that I I feel called to because I was um, I was caught up in it. Yeah. Right? And I, I wish that I had people to like ring the alarm a little bit earlier in my walk mm. because I wouldn't have had this twisted view of God. Um, and I think that's the dangerous thing about it. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that I, I do not comment on because most of my stuff is not me uh, swinging, swinging a, a Bible at, um, at a pastor. You know, I'm very patient. It just, when it gets to a point where I'm like, no, nah, I got to say something, uh, I say it, you yeah. know, um, you're not, you're not doing it for views because I know there's probably people out there that are like, oh yeah, you know, because they, they, they get very like protective of their pastors and the, and the, yeah. and these people, you know? And so there's people probably like, oh, you're just saying that, you know, for cloud and using that for popularity. Like, no, you, you really have a genuine interest. It's like, I used to be in this and I don't want other people to also be in this. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much where it comes from. And I I also see that these these type of ministries, you know, one of their arguments is they'll be like, oh, but people are getting saved, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, are they? You know, <laughs> I I I don't. What does that mean? You know, I was at Hillsong for however long, I didn't even know what the gospel was, you know. So w- what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just had a discussion with somebody who was um the he was a, a leader at the New York Hillsong. Thing. Not like big time leader, but when COVID hit, he was like, you know, we did home meetings to keep things going. He's like, we got like four people to show up. Mm-hmm. He's like, you got thousands of people showing up every Sunday. Now you only get four people to show up. Why is that? That's because people are going for the experience. They're not growing in their faith. They're going there to get motivated to go chase their dreams afterwards. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with getting motivation from a church to go out there and chase your dreams if those dreams are going to bring glory to God. But most people are chasing those dreams to bring glory to themselves and to bring finances to themselves and everything is self-oriented, right? Which is the exact opposite of the Christian walk because the Christian walk is supposed to be, I need to lay my life down for you, right? So it's um, it bothers me that people get caught up in this and it's also cult-like, right? Mm. So you, you see these people defend these pastors more than they defend the gospel. Uh, you, you see them defending, man, I, I get more comments on me just saying like, hey, guys, this is wrong. This person has twisted the scripture, has literally 
here's the, the scripture. Here's what they said. Here's what the actual scripture says. And then it's, oh, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You're, don't touch God's anointed. And like just going in, it's cult-like behavior. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to try to wake people up out of it. And uh, if they don't wake up, at least I sleep better at night knowing that I'm trying to bring attention to this stuff because I wish somebody brought the attention to me earlier on in my walk with Christ. It would have saved me a lot of headache. Yeah. And and, and that's really, really important, especially because if, if you've lived something, that that's going to be the reflection of, of, of your, the content of your work. Like I lived all that sexuality stuff. And so a lot of my content is going to be about that, trying to relate to other people who are like me, you know? And for you, you're going to have entrepreneurs, people that are chasing their dreams, wanting to glorify themselves uh, and still thinking that they have some sort of relationship with Jesus. And you're going to be that person and be like, I was there too. You know, I was really there too. Um, and so I, I admire that, man. And, and getting to hear that from you, is, it, it brings a lot of clarity um, as far as your visions and, and, and why you why you make those types of videos and um and what is what is it that you feel like really called by god to do now because i know that you have like you have like a little shoe company or uh, you're selling shoes and um you're doing all these these other things how, how what, what is the direction of the vision of and mission of where the lord has you in right now so this the sneakers are just like a, a little side thing they're more expensive than i want them to be but i did not want them to be made in a sweatshop you know <laughs> Uh, so it's not like something that I'm diehard pushing or, or anything like that. What I'm working on right now, uh, I've gathered a bunch of small YouTubers, a bunch of uh, like smaller channels, less than like 10,000 subs. And I just reached out to them to, to kind of help them help us come together and, and push each other's content and, and show love and, you know, try to hack the algorithms a little bit. And that has now transferred from just, um, you know, having us come together, share ideas to we're in the process of launching, uh, you know, the Why Jesus Network, we call it, where we just want to create a machine because all of these false ministries and, and these people teaching prosperity gospel and these and people teaching false doctrines, you know, they're, they're banding together and they're making all of this uh, content that people are getting caught up in and not really learning you know, real biblical truths. So we just put a whole bunch of people together and we're a whole bunch of different uh, walks of life. We also want to show what it what it means to be unified in the essentials. You know, in our in our group, we have Pentecostals, we have uh, um, uh, dispensationalist leaning people, we have Calvinists, we have like literally every, all spectrums. And we want to show people that you can unify in the essentials and and you don't have to you don't have to sacrifice truth for unity because that's what false uh, ministries try to do. They say, oh, you're causing division. Oh, you're causing disunity. Oh, you're causing this. Why can't we all just, you know, agree to disagree on these things? It's like, hey, because you're charging people for deliverance. Mm. You know, you're painting people a prosperity gospel. You're teaching them that they can speak things into existence. That's why we can't unify with that. Yeah. But we can be unified without drifting into these heretical things. Yeah, there's so much really weird stuff going on right now in the American Christian church. And and I like that you're coming up with your own solution for that. I think I, a book I really recommend that has really changed my life is this book that is um, called Lead. 
by David. I want to say David. What's it called? It's called Lead by David something. Or David Platt or David Watson. I, I don't remember. Um, but it's such an incredible book because it talks about how there's a pyramid scheme within American Christianity. There's one person at the top and everyone just kind of blindly follows their decisions. And, um, and we've made them celebrities and we've made church instead of a community leadership into uh, how the world does things. There's a CEO and then under the CEO, there's, a, there's other people. And then, it, you know, it's from, from one person directly. And that was never the way that the church was supposed to, to do things. That we were supposed to do things and accountability to each other, not one person greater than another person, but seeing people who have specific gifts for specific things. And so there's people who have gifts for management. There's people who have gifts for teaching. There's people who have gifts for the encouragement. And, um, and the person who encourages, like maybe someone who's really influential, um, is not necessarily greater than the person that manages, you know, and administrates. And so uh, it's really changed my life. I love that book. Um, but I'm also doing my own solution as well, which is my solution is to really bring up uh, churches that are rooted at the table, um, rooted in discipleship. Um, because like how I said, like we could do that. Like we are on these platforms where we could with the right people and, um, that certain interest of gaining views or popularity, start charging people for calls, start charging people for discipleship. Um, it's, it's making, making false doctrines out of the word of God. And then, and then for, for people to feel better or to get the things that they really, really want. I just posted a reel about the prosperity gospel today on my channel. Yeah, I saw that. And we could be doing that. We really could and, and get a lot more popularity and a lot a lot of money in the in, in the process. Um, but having a solution that is the other way around where it's like, no, you know, we love the word of God. We want to create disciples from there. Um, we want Jesus, when he comes back, to be proud of us, not to be like, not condemn us and be like, what, what were you doing as my bride, you know? Um, and I believe Jesus is coming back for the pure, pure bride. You know, the one that is really after his heart, not the one changing things. And we see that, you know, it's like, there's, there's clearly something wrong in our society that we have these people who are supposed to be top of Christianity, you know, the representation of, of Christians having these pitfalls and doing, having these mess ups and people are looking past character. People are looking past uh, discernment. Um, just because of their influence, their popularity, how they move other people. And that was never what the church was supposed to be meant. So I, I appreciate you doing all those those things. And so um, we do have to end the podcast. But uh, John, you are so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences of sexual abuse and um, and with the prosperity gospel and, and your wife. And, and one of the things I really like about you too is this these mission trips that you do to build in Guatemala. And you have a passion to go after the needy, you know, uh, the poor. And uh, that was something that's highlighted <laughs> in the word of God is like, this is something that should be really important to us to give back um, to those communities. And so guys, if you haven't checked out John's stuff um, yet, and, and if you relate to him, you know, think about uh, hit him, hitting him up and asking him about the Why Jesus Network. Uh, but is there anything that you want to like promote? I, I heard that, you, you know, you just said you finished writing a book about, um, what was it? It it's was, a it's about the law of attraction and the law uh, of attraction. Yeah. yeah how it's um you know running rampant not only through society uh, not only uh is it bleeding people of money by getting them hooked on spiritual heroin and then they end up on retreats that they pay ten thousand dollars for and stuff but it's also infiltrating the church 
So I did a, a whole book on it. We're shooting for a March, late March release. So pray, pray that that happens uh, by March. Um, but you can pre-order it now. You can just search me and I'll, I'll point you in the direction. That's amazing. I hope, man. I hope this year I'm able to write my book as well. <laughs> I've been like procrastinating a bunch. Um, but that's incredible, dude. I, I know that, you know, you're using your platform for the right thing. And there's so many men in today's day and age that they're not really doing much for the kingdom, to be honest. And, and you're being a leader and you're using your experiences. And, and I, I really admire that. And so, uh, guys, if you need another <laughs> male leader in your life, I think John is one of those people to, to, to really look to. And so um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to bringing you on as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you again next week, probably with another episode with somebody else or me. All right. Bye, everybody.